So let's just stop beating around the bush, Jordan. You like video games. (laughs) You like video games. Let's talk about video games for a minute. (laughs) But no, there's, there's, there's a good reason to. It's been about one year since we started working on this together, this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. It's also, you know, been one year since a pandemic sort of like changed how we live our lives and uh, what's going on with us. And one thing that has brought a lot of comfort and joy to myself and to others, like lots of people I know, is video games and specifically the Nintendo Switch. A lot of people are playing games for the first time and they're playing the Switch. So I want to talk to you about Nintendo and what makes it special. (laughs) Oh, Joshua, I have so many thoughts. Wow, uh, that is so unlike you. (laughs) (laughs) We spoke to a lot of folks who have really fond memories of video games and Nintendo games in particular, and you're gonna be hearing from them. So when we get back, we're gonna get the party started. The Mario Party. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to Wild Wild Tech. And this show, we explore how technology affects our lives. So an interesting thing that is happening at the moment, obviously, is it's a year since kind of lockdown started, at least here in the UK. And right alongside that anniversary is the anniversary of Animal Crossing New Horizons, right? So like as we're recording this, tomorrow, I think, is a year since lockdown started. And a couple of days ago is a year since Animal Crossing came out. And for me, those two things are so inextricably linked that I, you know, I started playing Animal Crossing. Like as soon as it came out, I played it every day for months and then I kind of drifted away from it. But I went back for the anniversary because I was like, oh, you know, I want to mark this moment. And I immediately felt like brought back in time to the beginning of the pandemic. So that kind of like classic video game nostalgia that you get where you're like, oh, I remember playing this the first time, except with this game in particular, it's all tied to like, I remember playing this for hours because I was sat in my house and I couldn't leave. Uh, <laughs> it's such a, yeah, such a weird mix of feelings. Do you, do you get that with with games, like that kind of weird nostalgia where you're brought right back to the moment? Yeah. Um, so I'm currently super into my my 3DS, which is an older you know, Nintendo system. It was the one just before the, the handheld just before the Switch. And I'm playing a game called Fire Emblem Awakening again. And I used to play that on the subway pretty much, you know, on my way to work. 
It's like chess, but more fun because, you know, the characters have great art depicting what they, what your pieces look like and they have relationships with each other and, you know, they tell jokes and fall in love and all this other stuff. So it's kind of like a short book and a couple of moves of chess, you know, between subway stops. And I'm playing it now for the first time in years because the game is what, like seven years old, eight years old. And, uh, I am uh, feeling like I'm back on the subway again, which is weird because I haven't been on mass transit in over a year. And I feel like games are uniquely good at that because they engage so much of your mind that you just go right back to where you were when you first encountered like a game. Oh man, Nintendo. The original NES was the last video game system my parents ever bought my brother and I because we were addicted to it. And so we didn't get another one for the rest of our lives. Just so iconic, just so like I remember the Christmas that we got the NES. Uh, I will never forget that day for the rest of my life. I think it's really interesting that Nintendo, they're so good at portable gaming, and yet none of us are going anywhere. But they've still managed to retain that throughout lockdown, I guess, because sometimes it can feel like an effort to like turn on the television and play like a big screen game. But I think it's interesting what you say about like how Nintendo is especially good at bringing you back to that moment, because it's true, right? Like Nintendo is the most nostalgic of video game companies. And I wonder if that's because of all of the franchises that they have that are decades old that they keep going back to, or maybe because the company itself is like more than a century old. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So one of the, the, the super interesting things about Nintendo that like a lot of people don't know is like Jordan said, they're over 100 years old. They started as a playing card company. They made like, you know, Hanafuda cards or, or what they're called. It's, it's a sort of like, it's like a matching game, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably the best way to describe it with like a very unique deck of cards. They're, they're like flower cards. So like they came out of this like more like gambling game space and, and physical games and, and they've just been around forever. And, and this has made the company extremely unique and uh, extremely idiosyncratic compared to like other game companies, mm-hmm. right? Like people talk about Nintendo being odd or doing things that don't necessarily make sense. Like when video games in like 2007 went to high definition uh, along with the rest of the entertainment world, mm-hmm. Nintendo famously refused and did made the Nintendo Wii with a weird controller <laughs> that wasn't like anything else anybody was doing. And everyone was like, what the hell is this? And uh, that ended up being the most successful console of, of that generation. Yeah, I mean, I worked in video game retail when the Nintendo Wii came out. So I was one of the people having to tell parents, sorry, no, we don't have any in stock. You can't get hold. I mean, it's kind of like what we're experiencing now with the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, right? But people would, I mean, people would try and bribe us. Like, and if we managed to get a Wii and sell it to them, they would like get buy us chocolates to say thank you and stuff like that. Like it was intense. (laughs) People were desperate for one of these things. And they changed the world, the Nintendo Wii. It was such a great console. Our family used to play Wii Sports on it all the time and would just get like super competitive playing bowling in our living room. We used to play golf, tennis, baseball. It was just a fun console to have like game night on the weekends. Yeah, it was very much like one of those things that like made people, and you, you see this again, like with the Switch a little bit, like it, it made people feel like games were accessible again. 
it wasn't something just for super dedicated people who were always into games and totally perfect, but were perfectly fine, like embracing very complicated systems. You know, you play a game and you have like all these shooting games that require very well practiced reflexes and, you know, uh, and, you know, difficult action games and, and things like that. And um, Nintendo has been very good at being like, oh, here's a game where you just build a little village of animal friends and you know, like uh, doing it is actually very straightforward and easy, but also engrossing and, and engaging. It doesn't feel like you're playing in the kiddie pool. Although I do feel like this is a really good place to point out that Nintendo has made shooting games. And when we've been asking people what their kind of favorite Nintendo games and Nintendo memories are, more than one person has mentioned Duck Hunt. The only Nintendo game I've ever played is Duck Hunt, but I've played a lot of Duck Hunt. I played a lot of Duck Hunt in high school. I was a babysitter. Every day after school, I had this little boy who was really cranky almost all the time. Nothing worked except Duck Hunt. He could focus. He would laugh. God bless Duck Hunt. I was apparently amazed by it. I mean, it was awesome. You could shoot at the screen. And uh, I was about four years old and knew how to use the restroom on my own. But one day I was so focused and into Duck Hunt that I decided to forego my bodily functions and I peed my pants because Duck Hunt was so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. which is, I don't know, uh, that's bananas to me because it sort of like feels like a curiosity because mm-hmm. that was, I think it was in the 80s, right? And it came with a light gun, uh, a gun shaped thing that you connected to your controller and you could shoot ducks on your TV. And Nintendo has always done this thing where they've had like a very toy-like approach to their consoles. There's usually a thing that comes with their console, multiple things that you can just like pick up and fool around with, right? In addition to just like a regular video game controller. And so like the light gun was like one of those things. And it feels like a curiosity, but I guess it was a huge success, right? Yeah. So Duck Hunt came out in 1984 in Japan as a launch game for the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. We didn't get it until, I mean, you got it in 1985 in North America. We didn't get it here in the EU until 1987. So late to the party there. But it was, the producer on that game was uh, Gunpei Yokoi, who is the guy who designed the Game Boy and also created the Game & Watch. You remember those? Oh yeah. So the Game & Watch was a little portable. It had like a little LCD screen. Very, very simple games throughout the 90s, like, Tiger Electronics would make a bunch of these and uh, barely games, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they were extremely successful and like a big part of Nintendo history. One of the stories that I love about the Game & Watch is that Gunpei Yokoi, apparently he saw a businessman on a train, like playing with a calculator, basically just pressing Mm -hmm. buttons and seeing what happened. And he came up with the (laughs) idea based on that to be like, wow, I could make something more fun than pressing buttons on a calculator, but a similar kind of instinct, you know, and we can recognize that now because we all have electronic devices in our pockets that we feel drawn to play with, even though most of the time, let's admit it, you don't get anything good out of playing on your phone, right? Like you're just scrolling, but you feel that that draw <laughs> to like fiddle with the thing in your hands. And Gunpei Yokoi obviously saw that and was like, I could do something with this. And that's where the Game & Watch came from. Yeah, that's that's such a Nintendo story. They're full of stories like that with their games. You know, simple questions like, what if exercising was a little bit more fun? And <laughs> and that's how you, 
And that's how you get things like, you know, Wii Fit or like Ring Fit Adventure, which is another uh, fitness game that came out two years ago, I think. Yeah, in like 2019. Um, and it's been huge during the pandemic again. Absolutely huge. Yeah, no, I have it. It's great. Just like a bunch of, you know, like what if what if this was more fun or what if this was more rewarding or uh, what if we made a system that you could play in front of your couch or, or everywhere and you didn't have to choose? You know, just like all these sorts of like questions. And the other thing that they do very well is make characters that people love. Yeah. So do you have a favorite Nintendo character? Oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if I have a favorite character. I, I, yeah. I love, I, I definitely have favorite games from Nintendo. I mean, like, because, you know, the obvious answer is, is Mario. Everyone loves Mario games, but do you love Mario the character? Like he's got such a complicated history, right? Like, not, I, and I don't mean like a problematic one. I'm not about to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he started as as Jumpman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the Donkey Kong uh, arcade game. Uh, he was just the yes. guy who had to jump over the barrels that that Donkey Kong was throwing at him to rescue the princess, who at that time I think was not Princess Peach. It was Mario's previous flame. Yeah. So the damsel in distress is Pauline. Ah, uh, Pauline. Uh, she is not a princess. She is just a uh, a lady, probably <laughs> inspired by King Kong. They actually had a lawsuit uh, because of this, because Donkey Kong is suspiciously close to King Kong. Oh, yeah. Um, and that didn't go anywhere. But, you know, maybe that's why it's a, you know, he presently wears a necktie so nobody confuses him. But you never connected with Mario, personally. You know, I've, I've always found it easier to relate to characters who are more similar to me. So female characters. But I love the stories about Mario's iconic design, right? Because, you know, he has this hat and he has this moustache. And the story goes that the reason for that is because at the time it would have been too complicated to give him like proper hair and a mouth, right? With so few pixels. So he has a, he has this kind of distinctive silhouette because it was easier to draw. And he's a plumber, I think, because he needed a, a reason to be going through pipes or because the, the person who created him wanted him to have like an everyman job most notably. And the thing with the older Nintendo games is that the female characters are, you know, they are damsels in distress. Um, they're not the the characters that you play until kind of later games. Um, and even when you do, they're often very kind of stereotyped, right? Like, I mean, every, every girl wants to be a princess, but when you're playing a video game, <laughs> you know, imagine if you were playing as princess, like just sit in this castle and wait to get rescued. Like, <laughs> Like press the A button to cry, press the B button to go Mario, you know. But they've definitely, I mean, they've like the characters are really memorable in the Mario series, especially. You know, there was like the year of Luigi <laughs> when everyone loved Luigi and Wario and Waluigi and yeah, Princess Daisy and Princess Peach. Uh, even if what they're known for is is crying Mario and getting carried off by Bowser. Uh, Bowser is a really distinctive character design um, and I love what they do with kind of when they play with the character because they because they use the same characters you know year in year out I love when they play with them but like what, what you're saying uh, one of the super fascinating things to watch about Nintendo is like because they're so old and because they still use all these same characters pretty consistently is that you see them start to sort of like acknowledge the changing social mores 
Princess Peach is a good example. Like in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, they give her a game of her own, Super Princess Peach. They start making her a playable character in Mario games. And then in Super Mario Odyssey, one of the more recent ones, they sort of like directly comment on the fact that, yes, you're always saving this princess. And maybe uh, she doesn't need you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. That game ha- ends with a, like in a place that's like very funny, commenting on the ridiculousness of these two male characters fighting over a woman who is very interested in doing other things. Yeah, you know? doesn't she like, like go traveling? Yeah, yeah, game? no, it's exactly what she does. <laughs> Amazing. I love the the ending of Super Mario Odyssey. It's just it's it's so much fun. And uh, like you were alluding to, with, there's not much to these characters. A lot of Nintendo's games are more about like ideas and not in the sense of like, why are we here? But more like ideas in the sense of like, oh, how much can we really do with a character that jumps? Mm-hmm. And it turns out you can do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mario games, you know, they don't come out every year. They, they come out, you know, frequently, but every time they're a little bit different and they're, they're, they're different and like... A way that seems small, but turns out to be like really huge. Like, what if we put Mario in this weird cat suit? Yeah, I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And like when he's in this cat suit, he can also like, you know, run up walls. And so then everything that you do in a Mario level, you know, like jump on, jump on Goombas and scale flagpoles and stuff like that. It feels different. And that becomes like a different expression of like how fun it is to run around and jump in a goofy, colorful world. You're totally right, but I can definitely see why people think that going returning again and again to Mario can feel a bit restrictive sometimes. Because you look back at some of the bigger changes from the past, like Mario is the character who led one of the very first 3D platformers, right? Like mm-hmm. the move from the the two-dimensional Mario games that you had on the NES to the um, the Mario game, uh, Super Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64 was huge. I didn't have the Super Nintendo, I had the original. And then I jumped to the uh, Nintendo 64. So for me, it was like such a huge upgrade in, in uh, graphics too. So, you know, not only playing it, but, you know, watching it was also very captivating because of how cool everything looked, you know, the dudes looked, you know, 3D. So it was like, you know, whoa, it was like otherworldly. It was just a whole different world for me. And I don't think much since then has felt that uh, that huge. Although I guess um, Super Mario Galaxy with the kind of yes. playing with gravity and everything, that did feel like a pretty big change. And that's one of my favorite Mario games ever. But um, I do see why, like, as changes in technology become slimmer and slimmer you know we're not going from 2d to 3d we're not even going from standard definition to high definition anymore we're just getting like a little bit shinier each time it becomes harder i think to innovate with the same old franchise yeah they're like you know to use a tech term there are uh they're like ticks and tocks and ticks are are sort of like incremental advances in technology right it's like an iphone Every other year, there's a new iPhone that looks totally different and works a very different way. And then like in between those, there's just like an iPhone that looks exactly the same. It's just faster and like the camera's a little bit better, right? Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> like, uh, And that's kind of how you see that in, in video games a lot. There are huge ones like going to 3D in, in Mario 64 or just like playing with gravity like in Galaxy where like, you know, what if, what if the, the, the world... <laughs> what if the world wasn't flat? You know? <laughs> like, like. This is a really good way to pivot, actually, to talk about one of the other huge franchises from Nintendo, which is uh, the Zelda franchise, right? 
because mm-hmm. that's recently turned like 35 years old, um, which is right. older than older than me and older than you, I think. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's um, weird, man. <laughs> which is wild. And again, like the interesting thing about Zelda is the franchise is called the Zelda franchise. But of course, you do not play as Zelda. You play as the man, well, boy, Link, who is off to rescue her. But the the point being, you know, Zelda games also have the same kind of formula again and again, right? So Mario games are about jumping and saving the princess. Zelda games are about going into dungeons and solving puzzles and saving the princess. Legend of Zelda is my favorite franchise from Nintendo. A reason for loving the series so much is because every game is an epic adventure on trying to save the princess. Also the lore that's behind the series as it continues on as when a new game is released. It usually has the gaming community trying to figure out where the game belongs in the timeline as there is not only one but three timelines. All three timelines are linked to the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time which came out on Nintendo 64. In one timeline Link is defeated Another Link goes back in time as a child and prevents the main villain Ganondorf of doing anything. And finally, the third timeline, Link stays as an adult and seals away Ganon. But Breath of the Wild, which came out 2017 along with the Nintendo Switch, um, really changed things up because it introduced this open world. And a lot of people say that that is the best Zelda game. If not, you know, a lot of people say the best video game of all time. And I think it's really interesting that it's this game that deviates so much from the traditional formula that people think is like the best example of the series. I don't know how you feel about that. Personally, I didn't really like Breath of the Wild very much, but that's because I like being told what to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I like it a lot because it's... it's um, One of the interesting things about a game like that, I think to go back to something we were talking about at the start of this conversation, that Nintendo tends to do things differently and the rest of uh, just the industry and the tech world. And the interesting thing about Zelda, uh, Breath of the Wild in particular, it's a game that on its face kind of seems like Nintendo finally caving and doing what the rest of the video game industry was doing, right? It's like a big open world. There were like towers to climb and, you know, open up a map. These are all, if you don't play a lot of video games, these are things that you do in countless video games. And it's usually quite boring. (laughs) (laughs) but this is the thing i think this is why i didn't like breath of the wild is because it's kind of going in that direction but it does it in a very nintendo way in that it doesn't really give you a to-do list it doesn't show you icons on the map as much right to like tick off like you'd get in an assassin's creed game and it turns out i've played so many assassin's creed games that that is what i like now i like having lots of icons on the map and i like having a to-do list to check off and nintendo is doing something that is probably objectively better, but it's just not the way that I like to play video games anymore. Yeah. So what, what are your favorite Nintendo games then? Uh, well, I mean, there's not a lot that they do that I don't like, to be honest. Uh, like one of those things that like, it's, it's a corny thing about people who write about games, but writing about games is a very easy way to like guarantee you will eventually love what Nintendo does simply because of that, like that pure play approach to a lot of what they do. Not to paint a whole industry with too wide a brush, but like, you know, just like a lot of technology, a lot of games are data-driven, right? Like we know now how people spend their time, what they like doing, and how to sort of like engage them in a way, engage people in a way that'll keep them playing games for a long time. And a lot of video games are built 
with that in mind. And that's not necessarily good or bad. It's just, you know, it's a popular big budget approach, right? Independent games do make games for artistic reasons, right? So like you can get that kind of fulfillment there too. But Nintendo makes these very big games, these rather expensive games, I think like they, again, they don't publicly disclose a lot of what, of what they, what they're up to or what they do. But uh, these big games that have that, again, that, that, that playful approach. So right now I am playing Fire Emblem a lot, you know, like awakening this old 3DS game simply because it's like, it's got the fun of just like puzzle solving on the go. They're all games about war. Um, it's like fantasy war, and they're like nobility people being, con- you know, people of nobility being confronted by their privilege, and villagers that are like, ah, you know, these these kings and queens, and they don't pay attention to us, and uh, you know, they're just caught in it. And they're very tragic kings because they're about like even in a fantasy setting, war freaking sucks, and they're like not in super involved stories, but they're 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 very much like they're about one thing. They're about like how much it's lousy for the people and how much the people fighting them just want to be normal ass goofy people and how much they want to like flirt or just eat candy or you know like very simple things again this is not like rich drama but it's enough for you to care about the the characters that you're using and and one of the the things about these games is that if you lose a character they're gone forever you know you don't get them back so uh like you care and that's a very Again, uh, very Nintendo things. Like, what if, you know, how do we make people more invested in, like, chess? You know? <laughs> like- yeah. <laughs> so I think it's really funny that you're playing on the 3DS, right? Because great console, but also now that the Switch <laughs> is here, like, I can't really imagine ever going back to those tiny handhelds. So will you tell me about that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I will. There's a very good reason for it. And I'm going to tell you all about it when we get back. Welcome back to Wild Wild Tech. Uh, what are we talking about today? It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing we talk about every day, Joshua. How to take over the world. I mean, video games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my partner who does not play video games is probably thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> Just the bleeps and bloops coming from yep. inside the, yeah. She, she has an impression of me playing video games, which is like hunched over like a goblin with like her fingers in front of her face. (laughs) But see, this is the thing, right? So you're back on the 3DS, which now that, I mean, (laughs) felt like a decent console at the time. But now that I try and go back to my DS after playing the Switch, it just seems so tiny. (laughs) Um, It is. Well, I have the largest one that they made because they made a couple sizes. Yeah. Um, So that helps. (laughs) Like... So here's the thing that people who their first Nintendo console is the the Switch probably don't know, which is that for the better part of a decade, Nintendo consoles had a lot of character to them. They had little jingles that played when you were, you know, like when you started it up, they had like this really ambient uh, sort of thing. The GameCube one. <laughs> oh, so good. um when you went to you know when when they got online stores when video games became connected consoles and you could download games to your system the nintendo eShop had like music and that music is like there are memes still you know about like how (laughs) 
yeah, they were catchy as hell. Yeah. And so, like, there was a lot of personality to Nintendo consoles. And the 3DS is sort of like the last one with that personality to me. Because, like, it's not just a device for playing games. It's sort of like it's a device for you to play games and also thinks about how you're using them. So, like, every every 3DS comes with cameras. Uh, there are cameras on the front and a camera facing you. And there's a, there's a game on every 3DS called, like, Face Raiders, right? <laughs> and, yes! <laughs> and it's, like, a very early rudimentary, they call, they're called AR games, uh, augmented reality. And it's pretty much like, you know, you can play this on your smartphone now. There, there, there are games like this on your phones. And pretty much you would, like, open your 3DS and the cameras on the, on the outside of it would just, like, show your environment, you know, everything around you. And it would have like these little faces with propeller heads all over it. And you would have to like, you know, like, you know, like shoot them and stuff, you know, <laughs> like, or they're, you know, the 3DS is always like an activity log that shows you how long you play things and how much you play. And it keeps track of the steps that you take when you hold on. So all these weird little things about it. Oh, the thing where when you walked by someone else with a 3DS, it would like exchange your like info, your like yeah. me info. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you can do this on the Switch. Um, can you make it me on the Switch? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you can, it's it's like kind of buried, but like you can do it depending on what games you had. You know, walking by somebody else with that same game, the 3DSs would sort of like send characters to to each other or like little bonus items or things like that. If uh, there was a thing called the Me Plaza, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you logged in, you had your little me and then anybody else who had a 3DS that was connected to the internet, uh, their me would also show up. You know, it's very early online sort of like social space and things like that are like very appealing to me now especially because like the switch doesn't have it you know yeah i also think the games were i don't want to say better i don't want to be like one of those old games were better people um (laughs) but you could definitely make games for less money on the 3ds and because of that they tended to be stranger um to, to get around, you know, like the limitations. Uh, and they tended to be a lot more experimental, right? Like, have you played uh, Rhythm Heaven or uh, is it called Rhythm Heaven where you are? I think it's called, it's Rhythm Fever, I think in Europe. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't played it, but uh, I recognize it. Yeah. Uh, have you played any of the WarioWare games? I love WarioWare. What excellent okay. games. Like collections of weird <laughs> mini games where you do things like, uh, just w- like weird, goofy stuff, but they're really, really quick, right? They're like seconds mm-hmm. long, these mini games, and you just have to kind of quickly figure out what you're supposed to do. We had the one on the Wii, which was multiplayer, um, mm-hmm. and that was really, really fun. And I, and I know what you mean about the Nintendo Switch kind of losing some of that. Like they seem to be kind of stuck in a weird place, right? Because the Nintendo Switch, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, is a hybrid console. And it's, I think, the first like big hybrid console in that you can play it on your television like a PlayStation or an Xbox, but you can also play it handheld with just the screen on the device like a, you know, Game Boy, right? And that is really innovative, which it fits with Nintendo. But what has happened with the Switch is it's been so popular and people have ported across, you know, loads and loads and loads of of really successful indie games and stuff like that, that it's become almost less of a Nintendo device and more of a a generalist device where you expect to be able to play all of the games from all your favorite developers. And because of that, you get less of the like Nintendo focused charm. And because you want to be able to play it on your TV as well, you know, your like 50 inch television or whatever, there's that expectation that games will look a certain way 
Like, they'll still have the kind of Nintendo style if they're Nintendo games, but they're expected to be high definition. And, like, people start worrying about what frame rate their new Pokemon game is going to be, <laughs> which is something that didn't happen back on the Game Boy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting, especially when you look back at the previous Nintendo consoles, which are very much about, like, getting the most out of, like, the technology that they put in front of you, right? So, like, the first big one, you know, like, not the first, because I think Game & Watch precedes it. I don't remember if it's what came first or next, but, like, you know, you have the Nintendo, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, which was, like... I remember just, like, playing this game in Donkey Kong Country, and it was the minecart level. It's my favorite level of anything that I've ever played ever. <laughs> It's just like probably because of the nostalgia, but I love it. But I remember this moment where um, I was playing with my dad, playing this level together over and over again, and just like feeling so happy to be playing it and feeling so close to him, getting these coins. And we just were like so proud of ourselves for that moment. And it was so fun. And I just, I'll never forget it. It popularized games at home. Yeah, Nintendo is definitely, I mean, there's a reason why there's the trope of parents back in the day saying, stop playing on your Nintendo, right? Because mm -hmm. Nintendo and home video game console were basically considered to be the same thing. And that only exactly. happens if you've got the kind of enormous success that Nintendo had with the NES. Yeah. And so like that was, that was sort of the thing for a little bit, right? And then they had, um, I think the Game Boy was my first Nintendo uh, console. Same. Uh, yeah. A, I got one for brick. Christmas in 1994 <laughs> when I was four years. I have a picture of me as a four-year-old unwrapping my Nintendo Game Boy for Christmas, wearing this like hideous dress. <laughs> I actually don't remember uh, how I got my Game Boy. I just remember always having it. I must have gotten it as a gift or a hand-me-down from, from someone. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, because it came out before I was born. The The Game Boy came out in 89, I think. Yeah. So it must have been, it, I mean, it was like five years old by the time I got one. But I remember like I would play it in the back of the car and like make myself sick. <laughs> yeah, no, same. You know, with, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, and you know, you talk about the limitations of the of the games, like... The Game Boy was black and white, the original Game Boy, or rather it was like black and green. Yeah, right? green, green and black, yeah. Green. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, and it was square, the screen as well, like none of this 169 widescreen that we have now. But still, so many great games that I would still play. Like, I didn't like Breath of the Wild because it's not like the original Zelda games that I played on my Game Boy, which mm -hmm. are what I think a Zelda game should be like. <laughs> my favorite nostalgic Nintendo game is Kirby Air Ride on GameCube. I just remember playing it a lot as a kid and I really miss it and I kind of wish I still had a GameCube to play it on. The thing that I've always loved about Nintendo games is that there's something about them that makes you want to play them again. You want to get in, you want to start from the beginning, and even though you've been through it already, it's still as fun. Being able to like go to the video store and rent games is just such an iconic part of my childhood. Favorite games were definitely Metroid Fusion and Sonic Adventure, but I also got to give a shout out to Pokemon Yellow blue, silver, all the colors. I love a Mario, I love a Zelda as well, but Pokemon will always be my go-to franchise. I've been a part of every generation. I still play the games. I am 33 years old and uh, I remember my, my first job was uh, mowing lawns at like 10 years old so I could save up to buy a Game Boy to buy Pokemon Blue, Nintendo for life. So 
to sort of wrap this up, we should maybe talk a little bit about where Nintendo may be going. And as far as Nintendo made games, it's been kind of fallow in, in a way that's like has a lot of people speculating, right? Like, is there going to be a new Nintendo Switch? Nintendo has a very Apple-esque approach where like they'll put out a device and they'll, re, they'll release a new model of it. And they'll even call it the new whatever, like the new Nintendo DS. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And uh, they've already kind of done this with the Switch, uh, with the the Nintendo Switch Lite, which is a version of the Switch that doesn't do the switching, which is funny. Uh, It's just a handheld device. You can't plug it into your TV. And, uh, you know, it's it's nifty. I like it. I'm glad that it's there. It's out there. (laughs) But I do like that flexibility. It's interesting, right? Because people are theorizing that there's going to be an upgraded version of the Nintendo Switch like that has like a better frame rate and better graphics. You know, is there going to be a 4K 60 FPS Nintendo Switch? You know, people have been talking about some of the recent reveals of new games, like the new Pokemon game that looks a bit like Breath of the Wild. But people are speculating it doesn't look like it would run very well on a current Nintendo Switch. You know, people are saying maybe there'll be a a new one. But I think that will take the Nintendo Switch even further in the direction we were talking about earlier, where it becomes more like the other consoles and less uniquely Nintendo. It becomes more of a... I've, I, like, I've always said that Nintendo is not a direct competitor with Microsoft and Sony, and that the, those companies don't really care about what each other is doing because they're in completely different leagues. But the more Nintendo goes down this road of chasing yeah, 4K 60 FPS and making sure that they're the platform that all of the indie developers want to make their games for, then yeah, Nintendo is going to become more and more similar to the PlayStation and, and Xbox. And like, I think, <laughs> I think they'll counter that by doing the thing that that company always does, which is make mildly infuriating, but also fascinating decisions. <laughs> um about like you know where they go next so like this is a really interesting time because from what i can tell this is maybe the closest nintendo has seemed to sort of like chasing what other game companies are doing i think we'll still be surprised somehow maybe in ways that aren't necessarily ways that make sense to us but i don't think that like they're suddenly going to stop being nintendo right like when they made the Wii, that was the most successful console at around that time. And Nintendo stayed resolutely Nintendo and, and refused to do, um, to this day, a lot of the stuff that other companies were doing. Yeah, I mean, you look back at the history of Nintendo, right, and you compare their consoles to the other major console providers. Like, you know, the N64 still used those big clunky cartridges when the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, was using discs and like... Even the GameCube, you know, was this, like, I mean, it looked adorable, this little cube with a handle, um, and it used discs, but they were like mini discs, right? Even then, they didn't, they didn't, you know, change it up to be the same as the others. And yeah, the Wii was such a deviation from what Sony and Microsoft were doing. I guess the Switch, you know, it does still use cartridges, so it's different there from the Xbox, uh, what are we on now, Series X and the PlayStation 5. But yeah, if Nintendo does go for like, I don't know, 4K or whatever, like 60 FPS with some kind of Switch Pro, then it does feel like they are bowing slightly to what uh, video game players want. But I do think they will always, they'll always keep something back. Like they will reluctantly, I think, add affordances to what everyday video game players expect. You know, they will up the graphics and they'll give you a a normal controller that you can use if you don't want to use the, you know, motion controllers or whatever. 
but they will still keep doing their own thing. If there's one thing that I believe about Nintendo, it's that they will always, always do their own thing. They just wouldn't be Nintendo otherwise. Anyway, Wild Wild Tech is a Studio 71 pack. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if you want to hear more about video games by leaving a review. <laughs> Wild Wild Tech is a Studio 71 original podcast and a spoke media production. It's hosted by me, Jordan Erica Weber, and Joshua Rivera. You can find us at jordanweber.com and at jmrivera02 on Twitter. Our producers are Reyes Mendoza, Cody Hoffmockel, and Janielle Kastner, with help from Trey Jones and Clay Kim. This episode was mixed by Will Short. Our executive producers are Stephen Perlstein and Andrew Seeley for Studio 71 and Aaliyah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds for Spoke Media. Special thanks to all the fans that sent in their audio for this episode. If you want to follow us on social media, please do. We are at Wild Wild Tech Pod. Thanks for listening. Uh, you know, someone will talk to him and Mario will be like, <laughs>